The Sea of Monsters, Chapter 17. We get a surprise on Miami Beach. Percy, wake up! Salt water splashed my face. Annabeth was shaking my shoulder. In the distance, the sun was setting behind it. I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. All right. Okay. Week. I don't know. I don't know. No, we don't keep track of number of episodes. We do not. But it's, in theory, my guess is we're about 20 something. Wow. Right? Because this will be the ninth, ninth uh, Sea of Monsters episode. True. And then we have the Halloween episode. And the whole right. last season. Right. So like 20-something. Like yes, uh, today sure. we are talking about the Sea of Monsters, chapters 17 and 18. We get a surprise on Miami Beach and the party ponies. <laughs> the party yeah. ponies do something. What do they do? They invade. I'm they invade. pretty sure. I, yeah, I really, they do. I just had the table of contents open for this, and then I was like, "Oh, I need to skip to the the beginning of the chapter." And then I, I forgot why I had the table of contents open. There was, <laughs> um, and this week we are joined by Natalie from the Floor Six Hundred podcast. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> What's <you> up? Like? <laughs> and also, unfortunately, Neve Neve wasn't able to. Uh, be here this week, so so Natalie is taking her place for this week. She's a she's our substitute podcaster. Wait, yeah. <laughs> she's what's... been upgraded from guest to substitute. Oh, <laughs> wait, Natalie, like what's it. your what's your zodiac sign? Just to Scorpio. see how. Okay, that's not a Leo, but you're you're closer than you could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see <laughs> how well how you two she, matched she, up. Yeah, her, yeah. <laughs> I got you. Um, that's my dog. Welcome to um, my life. Wow, your dog is our guest. <laughs> if yeah. you have a sub, then you, you know. <laughs> he and Jackson uh, guested often on Floor 600. So. <laughs> but is that really loud? Gross. Stop it. <laughs> Lay down. Go to sleep. That actually wow. worked. <laughs> wow. wow. Really if impressive. my dog listened to me. <laughs> The command there was very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to our our audience? Uh, tell us like about you, about your work that you do, like, <laughs> uh, and tell us who your godly parent is. Yeah, My godly parent. Oh, okay, uh, I'm Natalie. I co-hosted Floor Six Hundred podcast for almost two years. We got all the way through all of the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. We had like 32 episodes on like the actual stories. Um, we're not making new episodes anymore. So now I'm just sharing like random clips that we had. <laughs> so you can still go listen to it if you want to. Um, now I'm in graduate school and that's my entire life. So <laughs> yeah. And then my my godly parent is Athena, but actually I I defected and went and joined the hunters so oh, Artemis baby hell yeah <laughs> gonna wander I, through the I, woods I, with my girlfriends forever oh my god yes <laughs> that sounds perfect oh. to me 
See, <sighs> honestly, it's kind of perfect that this this is the episode and you've had to miss because today we <laughs> are talking about pride and and <gasps> like, our token straight host. True. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we love you. Who needs the straights anyway? Not me. That's real, not me. <laughs> oh, uh, what a good time. I mean, I feel like for some reason it makes sense who our godly parents are with the theme because, like, we have Apollo for me, and then Brayden is Aphrodite. And for some reason, I just feel like those, like, Apollo, Aphrodite, and Artemis just feel like not straight to me. <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) I mean, Aphrodite is the goddess of love, so exactly. So it's everything. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) amazing. She's not the goddess of straight love. That's Hera, and that's why we don't like Hera. (laughs) Okay, I like Hera. (laughs) I actually. Why do you like Hera? Because I don't. I honestly don't know. (laughs) I feel like there's. It depends on the depiction of her. Like okay, no, that's true. I think she but has the potential to be the worst, but I also really like peacocks. Um, <laughs> Random, I but see your well, yeah, because isn't she, isn't she the patron? Yeah, yeah, but like okay. it's that's a random reason to like somebody who's as horrible as Hera. <laughs> it's true. I think I've just seen her depicted well in like yeah. I mean, a Jason more. and the Argonauts, she's cool. Yeah, exactly. But in Hercules, she is not. That is accurate. Yeah. I yeah, I go back but and forth. Is Hercules good? He killed his wife and children. Yeah. He has his moments. He I was gonna say he could be more like Odysseus, but then <laughs> I don't know. They all have their issues. Huh? <laughs> I was like they they all got got some issues. Yeah. All right. Our thirty second recap <laughs> of the Percy Jackson Sea of Monsters chapters seventeen and eighteen. This week falls upon me. All right. I will set a timer. Thank you. I'm very eager to hear this. Don't accidentally set it for 30 minutes like I did. Oh, true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, Here we go. Let me make sure my volume is up. Yeah. All right. We're good. So are you ready, Raiden? Yes. Yes. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So they're getting a surprise on Miami Beach. And that surprise is that it's Luke there. Um, but not till after they, uh, Percy gives the fleece to Clarice, uh, and she takes it home because the prophecy said to. But then Luke comes, and they're like, "Ah, no, Clarice has it." And then they fight, and then the Chiron comes with all the party ponies, and they run Luke away. And Chiron says some vague things that are very confusing to everyone. Um, and yes. You're done. And yes. I think I got the <laughs> essence of it. That was, yeah, that was solid. I was very worried <laughs> going into the last 10 seconds because you hadn't talked about chapter 18 at all. But then you were like, Chiron. And I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> I was really like, oh, I completely skipped half this and I had to go. It was not a chronological recap. Um, and that's okay. <laughs> I, I've been watching the Back to the Future movies and I, I blame that. Uh, that's legit, you know? That's fair. Chiron saying confusing and vague things is like, that could be applied to practically any chapter in any of these I, books. I mean, That's you're, true. Cor- <laughs> you're very correct. Uh, all right. Chiron's the worst. He's Chiron. yeah, he's not developing well, is he? I know. Nope. I, I'm slowly watching Ava's descent into agreeing to yeah. my position on Chiron. Yeah. <laughs> in the Lightning Thief, I loved him. I was like, can he be my dad? He's very like caring and and emotionally open 
Um, but then like he started being stupid all the time. And I, I don't, I don't feel that way anymore. I just, felt, <laughs> I just start seeing the Dumbledore similarities more Blech. and more. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm still okay. trying to resist. No, I know it's true. I'm just still trying to resist it. <laughs> Resist the making Harry Potter references in your Percy Jackson podcast or just resist the no. Chiron slash Dumbledore thing? Yeah, that thing, the Dumbledore thing. I always tried to resist the Harry Potter references in my Percy Jackson podcast, and then it happened anyway. And yeah, I was like, that happens not? to us. I feel like we, <laughs> yeah. we try to resist. We're pretty good at resisting because Neve doesn't know what we're talking about. So oh well, like, yeah, I always forget that. So if we no, if we no. bring it up, it's like just between Ava and I. <laughs> <laughs> Neve hasn't read Harry Potter. No, I always Isn't forget that, that. Stunning. It's wild to me. Wild. What a <laughs> Gryffindor! Like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, things we forgot about these chapters. What did I forget? About? I would like to start off with the fact about how they get <laughs> the the fleece home. I ho- forgot about this whole like moment where Percy's like here Clarice you get to take the the jacket or the fleece um it's a jacket yeah it's like a varsity yeah yeah, um (laughs) which is so cool I love it I like I pictured it I was gonna say can they make merch of this I (laughs) I would be so cool for the Disney plus show if they don't a golden fleece varsity jacket yeah do you hear that Rick Samuel and Diego pass along. (laughs) The power Uh, they hold. (laughs) They really really came on our podcast last week and were like, we have a really good episode that y'all are going to need to check out. (laughs) We were like, And then like like a couple days later, it dropped and we were like, oh, okay, you had Rick Riordan on your podcast. (laughs) Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So cool. It's insane. Anyways, yes. Um, the biggest thing I need out of the Disney Plus TV show is a Golden Fleece Leatherman's jacket. Yeah. And okay. you know that hat that Rick sent with his, like, signed books for the tour? Yeah. I those, want one of those. Those were really cute. They were. I really awesome. liked them. I freaking love Nico. And I want that hat. Gosh yeah, dang it. I, I love Nico. Nico D'Angelo. I'm so excited that <laughs> no, I can't wait. we're almost done with Sea of Monsters. Titan's not Curse, not because I have anything against Sea of Monsters. But I need Nico to come into the narrative. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. I also just can't wait for Titan's Curse. Like, that is my favorite. Yeah, it's very good. I am really excited because it's... I feel like it's just the one I I, I read the least amount. Cannot, really. You know? <laughs> but, um, no, but I, I would always read it again. Like, I'm so down for reading that book again. I love it. I feel like so much happens. So many good characters this is me saying my favorite character is coming in the next book. And I love Zoe Nightshade. Thank you for your time. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Long story short. Um, what did I forget? Um, this is just such a good moment is when Tyson, when they're like, how are we going to get the fleece home? And Tyson's like, I have money. Yeah. Right. Why did no one ask? Me? I did like, forget about that. Too. Like I thought it was a feedback for Rainbow. Found it floating. <laughs> only paper inside. Sorry. Oh, I love Tyson. He's really just like ah, food for Rainbow, and it's like fuck. This is just paper. Yeah. <laughs> True. What the fuck? 
He's so sweet. He's so he sweet. Uh, I forgot everything about these chapters. I mean, not just now, like as I was listening to it, I was like, oh yes, like I, I know what happened. But like when I reread it, like last year or whatever, I was like, I had zero memory of like 90% of this entire book. No, so I, I, I really yeah. feel that. I feel that. There's, I feel like Sea of Monsters is the one that I just went over my head, except for like the yeah. parts in the movie that have been branded into my brain against my will. <laughs> Lily, I just, when, I'm so excited to watch this movie again because all I remember about it is the rock wall and Hermes in Amazon. I don't remember Hermes. I do remember the rock wall because I thought it was epic. Or like but... FedEx or whatever. It's like a ship. I think it's facility. like UPS. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that I, I know it's like not Amazon, but it's like a, a that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, I remember them dying in Earth's hair, which why you know if you're gonna make a mistake, just go with it. Um, and I remember well, because they introduced Clarice and they're like they can't look the same. Only two types of women in Hollywood and only brunettes, and they can't look the same. <laughs> I remember in that movie, I mean, that movie is complete trash. Not sorry. But when Annabeth and Percy, Tyson, and Grover are like running away from uh, Kronos or whatever. And then Annabeth just randomly falls down and she's like, help. And Percy has to run back and like save her. And I'm like, why? I don't remember that. That's funny. I think I blocked that out. Yeah. And that's really sad because in in this book, the moment of where Percy saves Annabeth kind of in like the last one is not like because she's like helpless and needs saving. It's because she takes on a Cyclops single-handedly. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like all of them have to like t- help her back. And she like almost dies. Yeah. <laughs> like she's not just like. A damsel in distress. She's like half dead. Yeah. <laughs> I need to help her. True. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yes. So like Luke comes in. I I knew Luke showed up, but I did not remember a single detail about like the interaction. I forgot right, yeah. the entire entirety of his plan. Like <laughs> oh the, me the, too the actually. Of it. I, like, knew he poisoned... I, like, really thought it was just about poisoning Thalia's tree. I, like, remember this right before he explained it in the text. Like, I I jumped to the conclusion because I am not an, like, nine-year-old, which is what this reading is targeted at. So I I was able to pick up on the the foreshadowing a little bit before it was announced. (laughs) Um, But I was like, oh, I, I just completely forgot that the Golden Fleece was meant to like heal Kronos that like mm. that his whole plan was his poison tree so that they would get the fleece so they bring the fleece to him and then he could use it on Kronos yeah I forgot like the competition aspect or no I thought it was more of a competition I think like because I knew it was used to heal Kronos and I knew that he for a second I forgot that he poisoned the tree but I was like wait no duh um but I thought it was more of like a I, I thought it was less of like a, oh, I know that it'll get to me eventually. And more of like a, I need to steal it from these kids now. Yeah. So I, I forgot it was like like that. Again, to go back to the movie. <laughs> is that what the movie is? Is the movie a race to get it? Like between them? I don't remember, but I wouldn't be surprised. Because I feel like the movie has, has 
impressed me against my will. Not like impressed in that sense, but like, you know, yeah. <laughs> impressed into your brain. Yeah. Like the, well, the, the climax of that happens on Polythemus's Island. So yeah. Like, yeah. At the very least follows them. Yeah. Because they bring, they all get there like at the same time. And for whatever reason, it's like an amusement park. Yeah. Right. And like, they like why? have this weird. huge fight and like they're flying through this like roller coaster, blah, blah, trash garbage. And then <laughs> bring Kronos back right then and there. And they're like tied to a roller coaster and like <laughs> it's so stupid. And they yeah. have to fight Kronos right there. And it's not even like the Golden Fleece isn't a thing. Like, yeah, it's not part of the end of the movie. It's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Luke's plan in this book, like, is pretty thorough, I must say. He did. Oh, yeah. He's a good supervillain. He did a good job. And <laughs> yeah. also, I was surprised when he, like, when he's like, oh, I was going to give it back to you when I was done with it. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, because he, wa- he genuinely wants to save Talia. I think. Yeah. I think he, I think he knows that it will bring Talia back is like the whole meaning of that. But but like I think he wants to save Talia, but also it's part of Cronus's plan is that they they kind of need well, because Talia would be sixteen before Percy. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. she doesn't end up being because she joins the hunters. Yeah. Right. So like they, they do want to like release Talia from the tree because that would speed up. Oh, I never thought of it like that. Cause I was always like, well, for one, would this fleece even survive like bringing Kronos back? That's a good question. I don't Uh, think it would. And then if it did, would Luke really bring it back? I know. I was like, I don't think I trust anything he says. No. (laughs) They were saying like, I think Percy like says this at the, um, end of chapter 18 where he's like I like I believe Luke when he said that but I want to know why because like Kronos is like the god of of forethought and like he always has a plan Mm. um oh yeah that's true yeah it's and it's so like there's some good foreshadowing in 18-2 when Chiron's like you're the only uh child of the big three we know about and then i'm like oh this yeah the end of, the end of this book and like the whole next the whole next book is about oh no there are there are like four of them in the next book um yeah god rick did long. that so well he did that so well like he really ex- did. expanding this um storyline across all these books and being like okay well Percy's a child of Poseidon. What does it even mean? And then coming to finally hear the prophecy and then finally like here's Talia and here's Bianca and Nico. And then just tick, tick, tick. It like goes down, like gets rid of them until yeah. it's just Nico. But then Nico's only like 11 in the first, like in the tight yeah, first young. 10 or 11. Really so really that young. it's like, well, if it's Nico, then we're going to have to get all these other you know, four years, five years, or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, because you're like, if it's going to be Nico, then Percy's going to die. And so... Yeah. The introdu- <laughs> then, like, the introduction of him makes... Like, if you know it's just Percy, Percy is 100% going to make it to 16. Right. So that, like, the climax of the series can happen. But when you add Nico and he's younger, you're like, oh, wait, it raises the stakes a lot more. Because it doesn't guarantee Percy will 
make it till 16. Yeah. True. Uh, which is brilliant writing there. Well, He's like so good at slow burns. He's so he good is. at slow burns. Like, with the, I with don't, the prophecy, I don't too. It. Like, yeah. I'm still surprised. I Do we not hear the full prophecy till the last Olympian? I don't know if yeah. it's that late. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I, yeah, I, I know like he, the, he makes the, his wait a long time. Is it the beginning of the last Olympian or the, like, maybe, yeah. 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 I'm like 90% sure it is because it's when they're having their war council in the big it's house. The, yeah. The, oh, right. And right, like, right, is right, that right. the, or is that the end of, I, yeah, I think it's the band, but, but we like slowly like find out like a line at like a little bit at a time. But it's, like, mm-hmm. just enough. Like, the last book, we find out that there is a prophecy, and it's about Percy. Yeah. And now we find out, oh, it has to do with him reaching six, 16, and we know it's about Kronos. And then... Yeah. Just, yeah. Stupid Chiron could have just told him right away and made his life a million times easier. But no, he didn't want to scare him. Bro, like, what? It's scary either way. Like, if you hear it when you're 13 or when you hear it when you're 16... Like, it's That's still scary. I feel like <laughs> I get his logic though, because I feel like it may have like if Percy was going to go out and do things like before he turned sixteen, it maybe would have made him more of a target. Like if he had known, like maybe like mm. things would have known but where he maybe you know. Percy wouldn't have put himself in this many reckless situations, and he would have <laughs> focused on actually training himself. I I don't know yeah. about that. Like, he, like he, <laughs> sa- he says that in these chapters where he's like, ooh, maybe Kaiwan Chiron was <laughs> right and I uh, should have uh, trained a little more because yeah. now I have to fight Luke and I, I'm not going to not gonna do it well. Yeah. <laughs> he's very self-aware. Yeah. Yeah, but I hate it also in this, in chapter 18, when Chiron's talking to Percy about how... Um, Kronos is his father, and Percy's like, oh, I always got my mythology mixed up. It's like, since when? Like, in yeah. The Lightning Thief, he literally gets all these answers right, and now all of a sudden he's like, I don't know my mythology. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. convenient. <laughs> also, like, with that, like, that's such a big reveal. Like, it when is. you're first reading this, and you're like, oh my god. And then you sit down, and like, they're all her, like, they're all his kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, why, <laughs> why is the Chiron one so shocking? Yeah, when like all the gods, either. they're like the gods are like, oh, we can't trust Chiron because he's the son of Kronos, who's yeah. also our dad. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird because like he's, I think he's framed as being like the anti-Kronos, like he's the one who's like trying to, you know, fight it and stuff. And I think like the gods, since they're more like. Everybody makes mistakes. Like, they're kind of like, um, they're like, oh, well, he is pretending to be so great all the time. So he definitely has an alternate plan, you know? Like, and it's it's just so awful that he's related to this person that we're related to also. Like, I, I don't get their logic, but I think it might be part of, like, they own being kind of the worst. <laughs> and, like, and they're like, well, he doesn't. And so that means he has a plan and it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They're like... Well, we know they were kind of awful, but, like, we're the gods. So nobody can say anything about us. But that guy, on the other hand, who's in charge of all the kids, he's sus. He is sus. It's so wild that (laughs) the whole philosophy of Camp Half-Blood is so confusing. Because, like, Chiron genuinely wants to be there and help them. 
the gods don't care about their kids, but to punish people, they send them to run the camp. <laughs> yeah. Like, to punish Dionysus, they're like, okay, spend yeah. the next, like, century with teenagers. And <laughs> Tantalus gets... Like, is this a downgrade or an upgrade from (laughs) being in the fields of punishment? Like, I'm very confused on why he's there. Yeah, it's so weird. This is the worst camp ever. It's terrifying. It's awful. (laughs) So we have this man who fed his kids to the gods. Let's have him go run a summer camp. He's so much better than this other guy who chose to be immortal so that he could forever help children and train demigods right the guy who fed his kids to the titans or whatever is so much better (laughs) what who like is there no one else who like (laughs) has any interest in doing this job i know i feel like there definitely would be like there has to be someone anyone if we're (laughs) dead people like there definitely is right yeah. Like, Probably. why not, like, ask, like, a dead hero from Elysium to, like... Yeah, or, like, a smaller guy. Clearly there's no rules. Yeah. So. <laughs> or they it's... could ask... I'm having a mental blank, which... I think it's Hestia who, like, left the Olympians because she was like, you guys are too dramatic. Yeah. Well, like, they could just ask her. Well, like, she just, like, well, hangs she, out she at just... the campfire. It's yeah, like, Hestia, what there. are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Why are you just being useless? Like, help out around here, lady. <laughs> yeah. Like, the kids would love her, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Well, Nico's the only one who talks to her. So. Right. But I feel like just everyone would. Like, I don't know. I feel like she's such a... She could work so well. And instead, they're like, no, Tantalus. And it's like, guys. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I would not want to send my kid to this camp. <laughs> Oh no, yeah. it's run terribly. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. New Rome, way better run. Their infrastructure <laughs> is significantly better. Their philosophy is debatable, but they're very debatable. Incredible, which is kind of I, how I would compare Rome and Greece in general. <laughs> philosophy, I read- mm, infrastructure. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I haven't read those yet, so I haven't, like, gotten to New Rome yet. I never and, finished like, them. I, I must They're so boring. Gotta own it. Like, I started reading The Lost Hero, like, a while ago when I was in college, I think, and it was so boring. I read, like, the first half of it, and I was like, I still have, like, 200 pages left, and I put it away. <laughs> the Lost Hero is, like, the most controversial book. Really? I, like, yeah, like, especially out of the Heroes of Olympus no one likes the lost hero. Oh. I, I actually do like the lost hero. I think it's okay. But but I will agree like the rest of the books are significantly better. It's honestly like the lost hero and son of Neptune you need them as books to contribute to the narrative. Those are nar- the ones that narrative, I read. Narrative overall, but Mark of Athena, House of Hades and Blood of Olympus are amazing. Because okay. that's when you get all like all of the heroes together, um, and it's like a. I'm trying to think. Like, there's a word for it, but honestly, it, but it's like like a a TV show where you get have like a a band of uh, like heroes and they're like tr- traveling through like different like 
it's it's very episodic in a way, almost. Mm, um, that's fun. And they they're traveling around Europe. Hmm, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll read them eventually at some point. I'm trying to read <laughs> slash listen to the King Chronicles right now. Oh, yeah. So oh, I can yeah. listen to Robert's podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, we were doing the King Chronicles as our like bonus Patreon series. And we haven't done one in a while. <laughs> we haven't done one in a while. Um, but the Red Pyramid is great so Patreons. far. Subscribe to yeah. us on Patreon. <laughs> there is a lot of... There is a lot of content there right now. We just haven't yeah. uploaded a thing in a minute. It's true. <laughs> in a minute. But, but if it we happens. if 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 we have more than one person signed up to our Patreon, we will we will upload more. Yeah. We love you, Ashley. We love you, Ashley. Though. We do. <laughs> go, Ashley. Go, Ashley. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Should we talk about the theme of pride? Oh, yes. (laughs) I was surprised with how good this theme ended up being uh, because I choose these themes so far in advance before we read the chapters. Really? And then, so it's sometimes a hit hit or a miss. Sometimes we stretch to find the theme. (laughs) But this this was not a stretch. I saw it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really was everywhere. Same, same, same. I'm trying to figure out where to start. Um, let's start with Clarice, I think. Yay. <laughs> uh, I, f- I feel like a big pattern of this chapter is uh, the conflict of individual pride. Um, I feel like, like that's a theme for, like, the whole book. I, oh, I would completely agree. Like, the the entire Percy Clarice dynamic exactly. is about that. Yeah. Um, And we see, like, I think in a lot of ways, this is Clarice's book. I agree. Um, And we, the moment at the beginning of the chapter is just so fantastic. Where, uh, and this is, it's a great arc for Percy, too, where at the beginning he's like, I, like, should be the one who, like, has this quest because I'm a man. He he has a lot. He has a lot of uh, entitlement that he's like. I'm a man who's the child of the big three, and everything's about me because last yeah. book, everyone told me everything. Because last book, everything was about him, and so mm-hmm. and then now everything's not about him, and then so he's like, he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. Um, but like, so they've now like accomplished or almost accomplished their goal, and they're both have pride in the fact that they. They accomplished it. Like, Percy's proud that he did this. Clarice is proud that she accomplished it, but it's not in the way that she wanted to. And Percy, like, even though he's proud of it and, like, wants the recognition for it, he realizes that, no, like, this is Clarice's quest. And she deserves to get the recognition for it. Yeah. Yeah. He has to set aside his own pride to be like, oh, well, 
maybe this started out as Clar- Clarice's quest for a reason. And Clarice is the one who has to finish it. And like, maybe I can just do something else for now. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, I don't know. I, I, Percy's growth is interesting to me because I feel like he, we always think he's growing so quickly and then he just never stops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he always just has so much more work that we don't know that he's doing. But then Rick just hits us with like this amazing point of growth and we're like, oh good. Like, nice. Good job. <laughs> like there's, his character development is fantastic. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, especially over the course of this, but like uh, last episode, we talked a lot about his like relationship with Tyson and how that grows and how it's uh, mirrored by Polythemus. Um, and then, then we also have this great uh, breakthrough with Clarice in this chapter. Like, I really like the moment where like, where he's like, Clarice ha- has to take it and then like he's like Annabeth and Clarice both gave me the same look <laughs> of surprise <laughs> like yeah uh. <laughs> yeah seeing Annabeth's reaction to that was interesting too because I feel like it I, I don't know it, it said something about like there was a little bit of like shock or pride or something or I don't know like something about her being like oh, okay nice you know yeah. so she wasn't entirely resentful which I thought was interesting and definitely like not how she would have reacted in the first book. What's really inter- cool. interesting, like thinking about pride, Annabeth is someone with a lot of pride. Oh yeah. She she very much thinks of herself in a certain way and doesn't doesn't like other people to think of herself as anything less than like strong and independent. Yeah. And cuz she is and she is a really powerful and self-motivated individual, but um she she doesn't like to acknowledge her f- flaws and i think that's i like pride is a weird thing because i don't know if i could give you a definition of it off the top of my head um yeah. but it but it's about like i think ownership of your um identity um and i think that can be the positive aspects and the negative aspects Mm-hmm. So, but I think I think she has a lot of pride in the positive aspects about her, and I think the opposite of pride is shame, and she has a lot of shame about her flaws. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think she masks a lot of the shame with like false pride. Like I feel like a lot of the pride that she fronts isn't exactly real, um, just because like you see her have moments where she kind of hasn't like melts down a little bit and is not confident in any aspect of like how she should be as a leader, how she should be as like a sibling to the other people in her cabin. Um, But I feel like she has this air about her that like, oh, she's so proud. But like, is she, you know, like, like what is the breakdown there of like false pride, actual pride and like shame that she doesn't try to cover. She's interesting. Yeah. It's like how much of this is just her trying to be like grandiose and like hiding her insecurities with, you know, being big and tough and mean sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it reminded me of like Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Because <gasps> oh. it's like, I've read that book a billion times. And it's like, yeah. I always go back and forth like, which is, is Elizabeth Pride or is Darcy Pride? Because Darcy has a lot of pride in his like status and stuff. And yeah. Elizabeth also has pride in her status. But then they're also both kind of prejudiced against each other. And it's like, 
I feel like I had a connection in my brain for this and now it's gone. (laughs) But I guess it's just the point was that like pride is hard to define. Like Brayden said, like it can go so many different ways and like people manifest it in different ways. And sometimes it's just to cover up like their own insecurities. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it's a very interesting theme as we see like Percy setting aside his pride to help Clarice and like, finish the quest and then Annabeth being like you're insane like why would you let Clarice take the freaking fleece and he's like we had to do it you know and then Luke shows up and is just like well Luke is proud as heck of him oh, yeah. of his own yeah. successes and it's just like whoo everybody yeah. needs to calm down <laughs> Luke in these chapters really like manifests like the negative aspects of pride like insanely because we watch it get the better of him like, mm-hmm. He's so proud of his his plan worked out and he's accomplished what he wanted. And that's that's how Percy is able to get the leg up on him. Yeah. Because while Luke is busy gloating, he like makes the iris message and the whole camp is watching and uh he completely uses Luke's pride against him in a in a very genius way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then Dionysus is like, oh, I guess I was wrong. Yeah. Oh, Dionysus. And he gets rid of Tantalus, and Tantalus never gets his cheeseburger. Yeah, that was a funny moment. I was like, we're going to kind of pick that as my little sass moment. I still might, you know. But, um, oh, my God, that was so good. But I I see what you're talking about with Pride and Prejudice, because I feel like the dynamic is similar with, like, the even sort of, like, a gendered thing. Like, I feel like you know, the woman in the situation has like a lot of pride that she knows she is correct or like she knows she is in the right, just as a person from the beginning. And then like the man in the situation is just sort of like, well, I'm, I'm very open with the pride that I have in my status. And like, I feel like everything is kind of about me, but like his mind either if it's Percy or Darcy, like, I feel like both of their minds change more quickly than Annabeth and Elizabeth's do. Like, yeah. I feel like they're more set in there, like, oh, no, 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 but I'm right because I haven't been flamboyant about my pride. You know, I've been quiet about it because I, I just know I'm correct, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, they're kind of like, well, I have a lot of status and I have, you know, so much is about me, but wait, <laughs> like we see that open change. And so I feel like it takes longer for like Annabeth and Elizabeth to have that moment. Like, I feel like yeah, it's similar to like much ado about nothing, you know, like that's, I, I connect pride and prejudice and much ado in my brain all the time, just because I feel <laughs> like the dynamic is so similar. So yeah, I get that. It's kind of like the different kinds of pride. Like it's, they can be so polarized. Like it's, it's hard to define. Yeah. And then we bring in, of course, we're get, we're, we got to make it gay. So oh, true. <laughs> then you bring in like the concept of like LGBTQ pride. And it's like, well, for people in the LGBTQ community, it can be a good thing to be proud and like be proud of who you are and like own it. But then when you say like, well, Percy had to set aside his pride to make sure the quest worked, like that's a negative connotation. Yeah. So it's so I interesting. Think it's, it's interesting. Like, I think... But the the whole point of like queer LGBTQIA plus pride is about being proud of something that the world tells you to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. So like pride yeah. is like taking ownership of something that 
that you struggle with or you're ashamed of is very positive. But taking pride in your accomplishments can can be like inflammatory and you so like you need to be like humble more humble and modest about your your accomplishments but more proud of the things that that you're ashamed of um and i think that's that like the line between positive and i think if you like take either either of those to the extreme too that they can can flip um yeah like i feel like queer pride can can get can have negative aspects in some extent like if you like when pride becomes entitlement i think is the the whole thing Mm. and so when like queer people are like i'm oppressed because i'm queer so that gives me an excuse to to be sexist or racist um it's like you can't be blinded by your own pride yeah it's interesting because i feel like as a concept pride is like I don't know pride in that way like born out of struggle versus how we look at pride that's just trying to like boost confidence like I feel like how we kind of push on both things is like we work towards a neutrality which is weird because I think like then there's the aspect of like once you're already at that neutral place like once you've already established that you have pride about like a struggle that you've been through. Um, but you're a little, you're still pretty humble. Like then where does confidence come in? Because like confidence is, it can be so good, especially self-confidence. But then it's like, if you frame it as pride, then it can be a bad thing and it can be disparaging. Like overconfidence. Like yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, it's hard to like analyze that like platform of neutrality that like we as a society just like want everyone to be at I mean theoretically Mm -hmm. because it's like then how do you be confident without having too much pride but then you know the definition of like if you're confident because you overcame something then it's a good thing it's it's really weird the lines are so fine and there are so many of them I just it's impossible to work out yeah and I think to tie this back to uh, the chapters, I think this exact like aspect of pride we're talking about really comes into the play at the end when Percy's like, I'm like just a kid. I, what's one lousy hero against something like Kronos? And Chiron's like, like, what good is one lousy hero? And he's like trying to tell Percy to be proud of the fact that um, he's a half-blood, like, like that even though that he there's a lot that he's going to struggle from it and that it might seem like because of this the entire world is against him and his life is hard but he should be proud of the fact that he is special and that gives him the ability and like the duty to help protect humanity um he's like like uh I really liked the monologue that he says. And so I'm... Okay, uh, this is the quote I really like. Uh, Monsters never die. They are reborn from chaos and barbarism that is bubbling underneath civilization. The very stuff that makes Kronos stronger. They must be defeated again and again, kept at bay. Heroes embody that struggle. You fight the battles humanity must win. Every generation in order to stay human. Mm. And I was like, damn, 
That was really <laughs> wow. heavy for a children's book. It was, but I love yeah, it. Yeah, that hit me right in the feels. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good moment. <sighs> it is. That also, like, it reminds me of, I think, I think we were talking about this with Erica um, when she was on, about how Rick writes a lot toward the young generation of, like, now it's your time to help save, like, help save the world, to, like, take upon the struggles that are facing everyone uh, and is very empowering. And I, I think I think the principle of this series and these books as a whole is a lot about, about trying to instill pride in young people uh, within themselves and emp- empower them to make change in the world, uh, to be proud of their... F- uh, flaws as well as their struggles, or no, as well <laughs> flaws as well as uh, the things they're good at, and acknowledge them all and use them to make the world a better place. Yeah, yeah, Yay. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Yeah, because he says, like, you must try, Percy, because whether or not you are the child of the prophecy, Kronos thinks you might be. So he's like, you kind of don't have a choice in this situation because even if you're not, Kronos is going to either kill you or use you until he finds out who actually is the child of the prophecy. So it's kind of like, it's on you. And like, oh my gosh, with the, like, the unit. U.S. presidential election in like no time. This feels so heavy right now. (laughs) Oh my god! I think this episode (laughs) comes out the day after the election. No. (laughs) Oh, so hopefully this is maybe maybe the day went bad and you're listening to this to escape that day. And I'm gonna I'm gonna send some love to the the people of the future and ourselves of the future as well. Um, but also uh, hopefully you can listen but, to this and be like ha ha and be proud <laughs> have pride yeah. in what we did also we won't know yet that's true yeah of, like mailing and stuff but hopefully. if you're not listening to it on the day of its release <laughs> maybe just in general sending love to the future yeah, yeah. I, can't, <laughs> I can't seeing everything going fine either way yeah yeah <laughs> the point is we're proud of you for voting for speaking up, yes. For the things you believe, and yes. yeah, amazing, <laughs> fantastic. <sighs> wow. Right. Do, we have, do you have anything? Anything else with pride? I feel like that's a good ending point. So I'm good. All yeah. Right. Same. <laughs> All right. Should we we do our offer? Oh no, lines lines first. Cool. Okay. I have one. I don't have one yet. I have one. Wait, I can start. Okay. This is my favorite. Okay. It's a Chiron line. Um, um, Percy says, you're coming too. And then he goes, oh yes, Percy, I'll be relieved to get home. My brethren here simply do not appreciate Dean Martin's music. (laughs) That was like my favorite thing. I was like, of course you listen to Dean Martin. Of course you do. Very funny to me. I appreciated it. Yeah, that's a good one. Mine is from around the same place. I'm trying to decide how much of it to read because it's, Okay, this is going to be a little long because I feel like I need the the entire context of this to okay. make it funny. So, 
Over by the campfire, Tyson let loose with his paintball gun. A blue projectile splattered against one of the centaurs, hurling him backward into the lake. The centaur came up grinning, covered in swamp muck and blue paint, and Tyson gave two thumbs up. Annabeth Chiron said, Perhaps you and Grover would go supervise Tyson and my cousins before they uh, teach each other too many bad habits. Annabeth met his eyes. Some kind of understanding passed between them. Sure, Chiron, Annabeth said, Come on, goat boy. But I don't like paper paintball yes you do she hosted grover to his hooves and led him off toward the campfire (laughs) yeah (laughs) just like grover being so unaware like one of his qualities is like he's an empath like that's like a satyr skill and he has no idea what's going on in the social situation i love it i love grover (laughs) grover's the best man he really is. <laughs> I was going to choose that part for mine, too. So I'm going to choose a different one. Um, I'm not going to do that one. I like it when they're, like, at the trailer park um, with, like, the horse trailers. And it's, like, their little centaur camp. And the party ponies are, like, talking to each other about killing monsters. And then they slam each other into the, like, slam, head slam each other. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like... The two centaurs charged at each other full force and knocked heads and went staggering off in different directions with crazy grins on their faces. Chiron sighed. He set Annabeth and Grover down on a picnic blanket next to me. I really wish my cousins wouldn't slam their heads together. They don't have the brain cells to spare. <laughs> I love that line. It's so funny. Oh, He's so like, mean. Chiron's like, so mean. <laughs> as say, like, but like, no matter how we feel about Chiron's like teaching philosophy... This man can read people to fill. It's so true. Brutal. And I love it. It's very true. Plus, I just freaking love the party phonies. I know. They're amazing. (laughs) What a funny genius concept. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right. Offerings. Who are we going to give an offering for this week? I'm really debating. Mine, uh, I'm gonna go because I have mine, and it's kind of kind of a rare one for for our podcast. Okay, I'm gonna give an offering for Percy. Nice. Okay, um, I love Percy. And I say yeah. that that's rare, but I am looking at this this spreadsheet, and it it has. Does he have some? So he's he's had he's only had three, <laughs> which is not a lot. Okay. For uh. The protagonist. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he Percy gets so much love and attention. Other people can get love and attention too. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. But he does very well at the beginning of this chapter. This is specifically for his moment with Clarice. Yes, that uh, makes sense. Like, I really that growth was incredible, and I really admire him for doing that. Um, I yeah, we talked about that at the beginning, so I don't I don't need to explain why why further i think but um yeah good job percy (laughs) i will give an offering for the goddess iris because that girl always coming in clutch she's always there she alerted chiron to trouble she like helped expose luke snaps for iris true snaps for iris wow (laughs) um Oh, I'm torn. Can I? But I don't feel like either of them deserve a full one. So can I like split it in half? Going to give half offerings? Yeah, I mean, can we've I? Never done that before, <laughs> but like, sure. 
Okay. So I'm going to get half and half to Tyson and Chiron because Tyson didn't know that it was money, but he still <laughs> gave them a lot of money. <laughs> and then Chiron, um, he, again, like he was alerted to the trouble. Um, but it's nice to see him doing something sort of like to actively help and protect other than just being like, Oh, I would like to keep you safe from afar. You know, it's like, it's very nice to see him spearheading something that actively gets people out of danger. Yeah. Um, but again, like Iris is the real one here. Cause like she alerted him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to give like 0. 0.5 <laughs> to each of them. I, know. I, I really, I really wanted a reason to give one to Luke. Just Not because, in this chapter. <laughs> I was gonna say he doesn't do anything. Like I'm, I'm really trying. I don't know why. I'm, I'm just really interested in re- this reread to like watch Luke's path. He um, is interesting. It's true. And and I, I'm trying not to be like against giving him offerings. So <laughs> I'm trying. Like I, I think I did. Like I think we got like one or two last book. So okay, I'm trying yeah. to be open to it. Uh, but he, yeah. he no. No, he As, don't like, deserve it. Like, his plan was good, mm-hmm. but like he don't he doesn't deserve it, especially because other people did so well in this chapter. It's true, <laughs> they really did. But who didn't do well? Who who was the worst in these chapters? <laughs> That's the question we're here to ask. That is the question, and I, I don't know. Tantalus. Oh, is it Tantalus? I feel like get rid of him. <laughs> Just because he's a, that's legit. He's evil yeah. person. The worst. Yeah. All right. Now his <laughs> votes for Tantalus. Do, do you have have another one? Uh, I th- I like in a similar vein. I feel like Dionysus is just like he's so apathetic and it's so annoying. Like the camp that you kind of run. I mean, because like, does he do much? No. But like the camp that you're like supposed to run, just like kind of got revealed to be doing a lot better than you thought and you're just kind of like oh okay like you should care more so (laughs) so he annoys me so him (laughs) um i am trying to decide because part of me wants to say chiron for still not telling him the full prophecy okay but luke did so much worse (laughs) yes but actually, I think I'm gonna join you on Dionysus because okay. I, I really, I, I really felt that in the chapter because I Luke did bad, but like he wasn't actively like doing bad stuff, you know. Luke, like, he, I like, would argue no, that he is. Like, no, like, no, like he was. I feel like he just wasn't an active enough character in this in these chapters. Like he but like I don't came, think was he either. came, confronted them, like kind of tried to fight. You know, he stabbed Percy in the leg. And he said his whole plan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do Dionysus, then I'm switching mine to Luke. Because okay. I don't think Dionysus was active either. But We need Dionysus later. We can't kick him off the island. Yeah. Or like only one. <laughs> only one kick. <laughs> no, okay. so I'll give it to Luke because I feel like he's just, he did not do a good job. I mean, he, you know, very much scheming, evil villain type moment. Yeah. <laughs> He did say his whole plan. Like, on, you're right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> honestly, for stupidity reasons, he's voted off the island this week. He's still not doing as bad as Annabeth in the polls, but. What? 
she did bad this so book. She was bad very, to very psychos racist. Um, it's because she had a bad experience with a scary cyclops. Well, yeah, but like not but, all of them. Experience with one cyclops is not an excuse for prejudice against all of them. <laughs> Period. We've had a lot of discussion about this over the course of <laughs> these books. Um, I like it. <laughs> all right, folks. That's all for this week. Join us next week for our final chapters of the Sea of Monsters. Where? We- <laughs> uh, oh, I was, oh, I, that was you to come in, Ava. We do it the same way every week. It's not the same. Okay, I know go. I didn't. I said it. I was like, where we were we supposed about? to cheer? Okay, okay. I, I, I will, I will, I will, I will do. Uh, okay, I, take two. <laughs> All right, folks, that's all for this week. Join us next week where we will be talking about... Chapters 19 and 20, the chariot race ends with a bang and the fleece works its magic too well through the theme of consequence. And they are the last two chapters in the Sea of Monsters. Woo! So we will be reading those and then we will move on to the movie and then move on to the next book. Very exciting. I'm so excited. Uh... (laughs) As always, remember to follow us on social media at Return to Camp, wherever is relevant, which <laughs> is Instagram and Twitter. And we have our Patreon, yeah. where there's content there. We have a Redbubble store with some cool sticker designs. There, at some point, I will up. I did more designs, and there will be more up there oh, okay. at some point soon. Um, sea of Monsters themed. Um, and thank you to Natalie for joining Woo! us this week. Is there anything you would like to plug? Well, thank you guys for having me on. It was fun. Um, you can follow Floor 600 if you feel like it. You don't really have to. Plus, we have like 36 episodes on anywhere that you get your podcast. So that's fun. Um, I have other stuff that I'm working on that I haven't worked on in like three months. So uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> if you if you have anything like out or that you want to plug out later on, like this week, this isn't posted for a while. So I can I'll drop her stuff in the in the bio. <laughs> you can you can find her uh, if you enjoy listening to her talk. Yeah, as, as we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a great week, guys. Goodbye. See you next time. Bye.